please do turn uh, your Bibles with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, I'll be reading from verse 22 uh, till the end of the chapter. John chapter 3, verse 22 till the end of the chapter. Before I read, let's come to the Lord in prayer and ask him to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, we draw near to your throne of grace. Oh Lord, we pray that you might help us this evening as we come to your word, that you might give us understanding, uh, that you might open our spiritual eyes, that we might behold the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ, the glory of the gospel, and the greatness of your kingdom. Uh, Father, we are often uh, needy and feeble, so if we pray, Lord, that your word uh, might strengthen us and give us grace. Uh, I pray that as I teach it, that I lean not on my own understanding, but trust in the help that comes from the Holy Spirit. And I pray that whatever we hear, Lord, we will seek to apply in our lives for the glory of Jesus Christ. And I pray that both hearer and preacher are helped, the body of Christ edified, and Jesus Christ and him alone glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the word of the Lord, uh, John chapter 3, verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John was also baptizing at Anion near Salem, because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew of a purification, and they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, He who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears and rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains in him. Amen. The title of my message today is uh, He Must Increase and I Must Decrease and a subtitle to that is uh, what, What Does True Ministry Look Like? One of the biggest problems in contemporary church or contemporary Christendom is the problem of competition. And, and by this I mean that uh, sometimes when we do the work of God, even as individuals or, or churches, uh, there is a sense of competition between us. We, we want to see who can do the greatest work, who, who can build the biggest church, who can reach the most people, who can preach the best sermon. Uh, some are, sometimes those things are not wrong, but oftentimes amongst us as people and amongst us as churches, there's a, there's a lingering sense that there is a sense 
of competition uh, between us. We, we compete over people. We, we compete over the sizes of our churches and we compete over our influence. Uh, we want to be better than this or that church. We, we want to gather more people than this and that church. We want to preach better sermons. Uh, we want to have larger auditoriums and larger budgets. And, and oftentimes we, we might not say so, uh, but there is a subtle sense that, that it, it's okay if uh, that church around the corner is doing well uh, as long as they're not doing better than us. Uh, oftentimes the 21st century church has become about empire and legacy building and not so much about the furtherance of the kingdom of God. Uh, as such, uh, there is much division, even amongst the like-minded churches. There, there is a lack of cooperation, a lack of working together. Even amongst Christians, there is a sense in which uh, I don't want to work with this person. Uh, there's a sense uh, that we are not coming together uh, to fulfill what God has called us to do as his people. If we were honest, we would say that the reason for this uh, is, that, is that there is a lot of pride. Uh, there is a lot of pride in us. There is a lot of pride uh, and desire uh, to, be, to be first and to be ahead. Um, and, and it's also because we have made the, the work of God more about ourselves than it is about God. Uh, we've made the work of God more about what we are achieving, what we are doing, uh, how we are progressing, rather about uh, God and God's himself and his own agenda. When ministry becomes about us and what we are doing and not about what God is doing, it misses the heart of God. It misses the heart of God because uh, as much as God uses us and we are God's co-workers and he co-ops us uh, to fulfill his agenda, uh, ultimately everything uh, is about God. It's about his purposes. It's about his end. And ultimately it is about his glory. When we miss the heart, the, the, the whole heart of God, uh, 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 churches become parochial in the sense that they become inward focused and they are only focused about themselves. Um, division is rife uh, when we become concerned about our own greatness and not about the greatness of God. And like I said, we don't mind when other churches are doing well as long as they're not doing uh, better than us. But we need to realize that whatever genuine work of God is happening in the world, uh, in whatever denomination, in whatever context, whatever is happening in relation to the kingdom of God, uh, all of it is the work of God. And all of it comes from the hand of God. Uh, regardless of what role we may play as individuals, as churches, as organizations, we are employed as stewards of God. We are employed as hired hands, uh, as co-workers. Uh, therefore, ministry is not about our fame. Ministry is not about our legacy or our influence. Ministry is simply about the furtherance of God's agenda. And of course, we all know what God's agenda isn't, is, isn't it? God's agenda is the salvation of people in the world. God's agenda is the reconciliation of sinners with himself. And that is what God is about, and that is what we ought to be about. Now, when we read this passage in John uh, chapter 3, uh, we, we find uh, uh, this in the ministry of, 
of, of John and in the incident that we encounter here that the John uh, in his ministry he realizes the place that he has uh, and, and the ministry that God has given him and, and he realizes that, that ultimately it's not about him and what he can achieve ultimately it's about the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and this is what we encounter here in chapter 3 of the gospel of John. John the Baptist, as we all know, was a forerunner and contemporary of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, in such a way that though John began his ministry before Jesus Christ, uh, in fact, we know that uh, before Jesus began his ministry, he went to be baptized uh, by John. Uh, but, but although his ministry began uh, before Jesus Christ, uh, there was a transitionary period uh, where their ministries overlapped together. And John, to his credit, he always saw his ministry as, a pre as preliminary to the real and full ministry of Jesus Christ. So, so he always saw himself as only the beginning, but the fulfillment of the work of God was to be accomplished and to be found in Jesus Christ. Um, that's why when Jesus came to him in the river Jordan to be baptized, he says, behold, the Lamb of God. However, we see that in this situation that we read just now in John chapter 3, uh, John's disciples misunderstood uh, the transitionary status of John's mission, uh, ministry and the permanence of Jesus' ministry. Uh, so we just read now in uh, John uh, chapter 3, verse 22 to 27, uh, we, we read that uh, John and Jesus' disciples were, were baptizing in the same reason, region, so they were close to one another. They were able to see what the other was doing. Uh, and, and there arose a dispute between John's disciples and some Jews uh, about purification, uh, the details of which are not clear, but we know that uh, John's baptism was, was a baptism of repentance, a baptism of, of purification. So there's a there rose a dispute and after this dispute rose John's disciples go to John himself and in going to John they say to him John remember that guy that man that, that you said we must pay attention to remember that man that you said that we need to we need to look to him Look, him and his disciples are baptizing more people than we are baptizing. So, so there was a sense of envy and jealousy when John's disciples saw that the multitudes of, of people were now transitioning, moving away from John and going to Jesus Christ. So John's disciples had a hint of envy and jealousy. They saw Jesus' uh, ministry as eclipsing the ministry of their own leader and master. So there are three things uh, that we need to see here in John's response that can help us have a, have a good perspective about uh, ministry and, and the work that we need to partake in as individuals and churches. Uh, so, so there are three things that I want to uh, say. The first thing is that true ministry is a gift of God. True Christian ministry, gospel ministry for the church and for the individual is a gift of God. Secondly, true ministry is faithful stewardship. It is faithful stewardship. And lastly, true ministry is about Jesus and it exalts him. So I'll repeat those things. True ministry is a gift from God. True ministry is faithful stewardship. True ministry is about Jesus and it exalts him. So my first point, uh, true ministry is a gift 
from God. So, so, so when John's disciples come to him and they say, look, those people are, 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 are baptizing more people than us. Uh, that man that you pointed us to, he, he is eclipsing us. He's doing more than what we are doing. Uh, and notice what John's response is. Uh, it says here uh, in verse 26, And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing, and all are going to him. And this is John's response. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. This is true of many things in life. That everything that we have, our possessions, our gifts, uh, our intellect, all of those things are the gifts that come from God. I mean, first of all, none of us uh, came before this world were created. All of us found this world, isn't it? And, and therefore, everything in this world and everything that God has given us in the context of our own individual lives, it comes from the hands of God. Uh, we are merely receptors. We have received from God all the things that we have. And, and it is particularly true of many things, uh, but, but it's more so true of ministry. Uh, and I think this is what the passage is wanting to convey to us based on the context. Uh, because the context here is that the disciples of John are seeing the ministry of Jesus Christ and are seeing that it is growing and progressing and they are, they are feeling a sense of insecurity about their own ministry. They're feeling that they are being overshadowed in eclipse. And they go to John. And John, in responding to their complaint, he says, A man cannot receive anything except that has been given to him from God. And therefore, we understand from the context that John is referring to ministry. Uh, and, and therefore, the ministry that John has... Uh, 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 as a precursor to the ministry of Christ, as a forerunner to Christ, that ministry, according to John's response, has been given to him from God. And that is not only true, that's not only true for John, it's also true for, for us. That whatever ministry we have as churches and individuals, whatever work that we have been given to do in the world, it comes from God. And therefore, if, if whatever ministry we have, whatever role we have, whatever gifting we have in order to fulfill the work of God, if it comes from God, it also includes, therefore, that even the impact of that ministry comes from God. Because that was, that was the sticking point, isn't it? The sticking point was that Jesus was having more impact than John because more people were going to him. And therefore, by implication, what John is saying, that, that even the impact that I have as a minister of God, working for God, even that, the result of the work that I'm doing comes from God himself. So John sees the decline of his own ministry, and the success of Jesus' ministry within the purview of God's providence and God's sovereignty. Of God's providence and God's sovereignty. The failure or success of any ministry, of any work, is determined by God. 
it's determined by God. How, how deep or, or how wide a ministry is or, or how big its impact or, or how low its impact, that is determined by God himself. It is determined by God himself. The failure of success of ministry is determined by God. And this is important for us to know uh, because sometimes we see uh, success in ministry or the fruitfulness of ministry, we sometimes see it as the result of our own agency and initiative. We're thinking that this thing is working or that thing is working because no, it's because I'm doing it. If someone else doesn't know, it won't work like this. If, other, if another church doesn't know, it won't work. So we see oftentimes the success of a particular work, we see it uh, as coming from our own uh, labor, as coming from our own work. Uh, that's what happens sometimes. And the converse is also true. Uh, uh, when we become successful, we, 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 we take all the glory all, and we become prideful and, and we say, yes, we did it. But, but the converse is also true, that, that when we see that, that, that ministry is not working out in the way that we think, we are not reaching as many people as we thought, our impact is low, we can also think that sometimes um, it's simply because of our own failure. It's simply because we, we didn't do enough. It's simply because we, 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 didn't, we didn't tweak the method enough. But I think what we see from this text is that the ministry itself, that the part that each of us play, the part that the role that each of us have, and even the impact and the result of the work itself is all determined by the glory and the power of God. God determines it all. Turn with me to John, I mean, sorry, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where, where, where Paul uh, tells us uh, this in a different way. Uh, and here in, 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 in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, Paul, Paul is addressing the issue of division in the church. Uh, uh, people were saying, no, uh, I am of this pastor, I am of this pastor, I follow this guy. And it's because uh, they're saying, I follow this guy, this guy, because, because of the appearance of success, isn't it? Uh, if this guy is successful, I'm going to follow this guy. If this guy is doing a greater work, I'm going to follow this guy. So there's division in the church. And therefore, Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. He says, uh, but I, I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Paul? I mean, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned each... I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. You see? So what Paul is saying is that God assigned each one a task, but ultimately the result of the work that God has assigned to each person, it is determined by God. God himself gives the growth. 
And then in verse 7 it says, So neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers, God's field, God's building. So this is what Paul is trying to show us and and it ties in into what uh, uh, John is saying to his disciples that that, yes, that guy is being more successful. My ministry may be declining, but ultimately you and I cannot determine uh, either of those things because ultimately the fruit of our ministry of our labor comes from God himself. In fact, the roles that we play, the tasks that we've been given, they come from God himself. All the works that we do for the kingdom are gifts of God to us. They're gifts of God to us. Because think about it. uh, The God that the Jew and I believe in, the God that Jew and I serve, is a sovereign God. Is an infinitely powerful, infinitely wise God. And none of us have the capabilities to help God be God. None of us. We have no wisdom enough to be God's advisors. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 11. Uh, Who can counsel God? No one. Because we don't have the wisdom enough to counsel God. We don't have the power enough to say, God, let me give you a hand. And therefore, God does not need us. In fact, God was fine all by himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in eternity past. He did not need to create. He only created out of the fullness of his love. Because God is independent and God is self-sufficient. And therefore, God can do what he wants, how he wants, whenever he wants. He does not need you and I to help him. But because God is a gracious God. Because God is a loving God. Because God is a God who uses and ordains particular means, God calls you and I to be co-workers with him to fulfill his purpose. He gives you and I the privilege of joining him in the great work of reconciling sinners to himself. He says to you and I, come be a partner with me to fulfill this great work of saving the world. Therefore, ministry at the heart of it is a a grace and it is not a right. It is a mercy, it is not a right. Because God does not need you and I. So John says, He says here, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. None of us can receive any particular work. None of us can receive any particular ministry. And none of us can determine the result of the work we do. All of it comes from God. All of it comes from God. And what does this mean, of course? This means that if all of it comes from God, If ministry is a grace, it's a mercy. If the result of the work we do comes from God, uh, uh, it means, therefore, that you and I have to look to God, isn't it? You and I have to look to God. Um, uh, and, And this is ought to be helpful for us. 
Because, because if, if we were the determiner of the results that we receive in ministry, if we were the determiners of, of, of how impactful uh, our ministry ought to be, then we would think that it all depended on us. Wouldn't we? We would think that, oh, it, it, it depends on us. Therefore, because it depends on me, then I must do everything that is necessary. I must break my back. But there is a sense of rest in knowing that it does not depend all on you. It depends on God. Now, this doesn't mean, of course, that we become lazy and complacent. We don't do nothing. But it means that we rest in the grace of God. We rest in the power of God knowing that our strength can only go so much, but there's one who can go even further beyond what we are able to do. So ministry is a gift from God. It is a grace from God. Secondly, what I want to say is, is ministry is also faithful stewardship. It is faithful stewardship. Uh, notice that John recognizes that he himself is not the Christ. He uses the term bridegroom and friend of the bride. Uh, he says here that you yourselves bear, wit bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, the joy is uh, the joy of mine is now complete. In other words, uh, what, what, what John is saying is saying that, that I'm merely the friend of the bridegroom. Uh, uh, this, the, the wife belongs to someone else. Uh, it, it is not my property. And, and as a friend of the bridegroom, I rejoice when the bride and the bridegroom are joined together. Because ultimately, as a bridegroom, I am called simply to be a witness to the union between the bride and the bridegroom. As a friend of the bridegroom, I'm called to be a witness to the union between the bride and the bridegroom. And then he says, the one who retains the favor and honor, and John is the friend. I mean, in other words, uh, what he's saying there is that Christ is the bridegroom and the one who retains the favor and the honor and John is the friend of the bridegroom. And what I want to say here is that this is how we ought to see our own ministry in the church. Because ultimately, the church of God does not belong to any one of us, does it? The people that we serve, the people that we reach out to, they are not our property, is it? They belong to God. They are the flock of God. In fact, when, when Paul speaks to the Ephesian elders in, in Ephesians, uh, in, in Acts 20, uh, he, he says to them, uh, be careful how you shepherd the flock of God that he purchased with his own blood. So, so, so the flock does not belong to us. It belongs to another. And because it does not belong to us, the church, it belongs to another. Therefore, the role that you and I have is the role of being faithful stewards, looking after someone else's property. We're looking after someone else's property. And by implication, it means that we are not accountable to ourselves. We are accountable to another. So ministry is about faithful stewardship. 
Uh, and John says here that, 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 that no, that, that the bride belongs to the bridegroom. I'm merely the friend of the bride. And once I see the union between the bride and the bridegroom, there is my joy. There is my joy. And, and for us, uh, in other words, as stewards called to, 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 to work in the vineyard of God, uh, to, to reach out and, and, and share the gospel to other people, to disciple and, and help the people of God grow. Once the people encounter, have encountered the gospel, once the people grow in faith and grow in Christian maturity, that ought to be our joy because we are merely friends of the bridegroom. Uh, the church does not belong to us. And that's how we have, that's the perspective that we need to have. It belongs to another. And because it does not uh, belong to us, it means we have to be careful with how we treat the work of God. We have to be careful with how we treat the people of God. Uh, you don't want to be careless with another person's thing, especially if it's a very precious thing. You don't want to be careless. You want to make sure you take care of another person's property. And we as ministers of the gospel, as ministry workers in whatever capacity, as church people, as churches, we are simply hired hands. We are enjoined to partake in the joy of the bridegroom, but the wedding is his. The bride is his. The bride is Christ. And this is how we ought to see our own ministry in the church of God. It is not about us, but it's about Jesus. We are only stewards of whatever God has given us. And as stewards, we are called to be faithful. We are called to be faithful. We are called to be faithful. I mean, uh, wouldn't it be a scandalous thing, and it is a scandalous thing, if the friend of the bridegroom ran away with the bride? That would be scandalous. How can that happen? That's an unfaithful friend. That's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a corrupt friend. Because he ran away with the bridegroom. He ran, out, I mean, he ran away with the bride. He ran away with that which was not his. We ought not to be scandalous people. Mistreating the church of God. Mistreating the people of God. And, and, and since we are merely stewards, there is one that we ought to give an account to. Isn't it? How there's one we ought to give an account to. Uh, even in terms of our, our own ministry and the work that God has given us, we are going to be accountable to God. We're going to stand there and say, God, the work that you've given me, I was faithful. I was faithful. I was faithful. Ours is to be faithful in whatever God has given us and to take joy in all the work, even if the results of what we are doing are not stellar. We ought to be faithful and take joy in the work, even if the results of what we are doing are not spectacular. And that's very difficult. It is very difficult to labor in a place where you see little fruit. And then you wonder, is God's hand with you? Is God's spirit with you? And it's more difficult in our era because we live in a 21st century where everything is about success. Uh, where, where everything is about showing how, how great you are, how successful you are. Uh, and, and if you don't have anything flashy to show off, people wonder, are, are you really doing well? 
because you have nothing fancy to show. But, but, but even in circumstances like that, we need to realize that even if the result of our work is not great or stellar, that we are still called to faithfulness and to joy. Now, if you read the Bible carefully, you re- you'll realize that many of the men that God had called into ministry as prophets, they failed. They failed. Uh, they, the, 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 the people they were called to minister to, they, to minister to, they hardly listened to them. In fact, God himself told, tells Jeremiah, he says, uh, those people will not hear you. <laughs> But still preach. Uh, uh, he tells Isaiah, they, 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 they'll be ever listening but never hearing, but still preach. Jesus himself, after having a fruitful ministry of multitudes following him, on the day that he was crucified, there was only a splattering of disciples. 500 at most at his ascension. So we shouldn't look at the fruit of our ministry to, to, uh, to wonder whether God is with us or not. Rather, regardless of the fruit that we see, we ought to be faithful. We ought to be faithful. Some of us uh, will labor in hard soil. And God is not calling us to extreme success. He's simply calling us to be faithful in proclaiming the gospel. And many men throughout history were missionaries in particular places, 40 years, 30 years, sharing the gospel, seeing one convent after, convert after 20 years. And only after they died, the ministry blossoms. And you wonder, God, why didn't you wait at least five years for the man to see the fruit of his work before uh, it blossomed? And, and, and you never know the ways of God. But ultimately, we are called to be faithful. Even if we attract few numbers, even if we are rejected or scorned, ours is to be faithful because true ministry is about faithfulness. Now, for John himself, his ministry was in decline. Jesus' ministry was growing. But he realized that ultimately he is being called to faithfulness. And he says that his joy is seeing the, hearing the bridegroom voice. And then he says, therefore, this joy of mine is now complete He must increase. I must decrease. Which takes me to my third point. The true ministry is about the exaltation of Jesus Christ. Uh, If ministry is a grace and and, and we are merely stewards, uh, then all that we do for God and in God's church and for the kingdom of God, all of that has to be geared not to our glory, but to the exaltation and glory of Jesus Christ. That's why John says here that he must increase and I must decrease because ultimately it's not about me. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about the purpose and plans that he has. It's about the the mission that he has to, to, to bring the lost of this world into his fall. Therefore, he must increase, and I must decrease. And this is the attitude that all of us have to have in whatever capacity that we are serving in, in the church and outside the church. Uh, that, that whatever I'm doing 
is about the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Even if it's a small thing like sweeping uh, the church floor, cleaning the church toilet, all of it is about the glory of Jesus Christ. That is the posture that we have to have in relation to uh, the approach we have in ministry. That it's not about us, it's about Jesus Christ and we want to glorify him whether we are seeing great results or not. Whether we are seeing poor results, it does not matter. We'll be faithful because ultimately it's about Jesus. Ultimately, it is about Jesus. It's about his glory. Jesus is the focal point of all Christian ministry. He is the message and its true messenger. He is the means and the end to which all of us seek. It's all about him. And the work that we do as ministers of the gospel, as, as workers in the church, as church members, as churches, whatever role we play, ultimately it's geared at bringing Jesus glory, at pointing other people to Jesus Christ himself. As Paul says, all things are for him and everything ought to be done through uh, it's not about us. It's not about us. Uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a Baptist by conviction, and, and I would wish that everyone were a Baptist, but, but my, my, my role is not to, to convert people to be Baptists. My job is to make sure people believe in Jesus Christ. Although I'd love them to follow my uh, theological tradition, I, I, I don't want to win people simply to, to the conviction of being Baptist. I want them to win them to the conviction of following Jesus Christ. It's about him. And if it's about Jesus, we ought not to be simply satisfied that we have people coming into our churches and sitting in our pews. Because that's not enough. We don't want them simply to come through these doors and come into the church and sit here. We want them to come into the kingdom of God because that is the ultimate goal. We want them to find Jesus. Some churches are simply comfortable and fine with having masses of people in their churches, not worried or not whether their people are in Jesus. You can be in a church but not be in Jesus. You can be sitting in a church pew and not be in the kingdom of God. So the, so, so the goal for all of us as individuals and churches is to ensure that all the people that we reach and all the work that we do is geared to getting people to Jesus Christ. Because it's about him. Notice what, what, what John continues to say. He says, uh, uh, he who comes from above is above all. He speaks of the he who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bear witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal on this. God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. And then he says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So what John is saying is that because if no one has Christ, they do not have life, my job is to point people to him. 
So, so I, I am thankful that the multitude are going to Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that the multitude are no longer coming to me. They are going to him because he is the means of salvation. He's the means of salvation. So this is what true ministry is. Uh, it is not about us. It is about Jesus Christ. We are merely stewards of the work of God. And whatever ministry and work and role that we have, that we have received from God, it is a grace. Oh, it is a grace. It is a grace. And because it is a grace, we ought to be thankful. We ought to be appreciative that, the, that God in his goodness has enjoined us to be his co-workers. But also because it is from God and he determines the parameters of whether or not we'll be successful or not, ultimately it means that whatever we do as people in the church, we do it through the strength that God himself provides. Oh, do not depend on yourself. Depend on God. And this is my message to all of us today. That ministry is a gift and whatever we do, let's do it for the glory of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us this wonderful task to reach out into the world, to share the good news, to call people to repentance and faith that they might come to Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that you've given the grace of ministry to be co-workers with you and therefore father we pray that you might empower us and strengthen us to be faithful with whatever task that you have given us to look to you for grace and to look to you for strength help us we ask give us grace in jesus name amen